Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. All right, let's do this thing. Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample live in studio here. Greg Sussman will join us, hopefully, at some point. Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries joining us on the next segment. Got a lot to talk with Virginia about regarding these injuries from last week till now. So much has happened. Again, Aaron Judge over the weekend. We'll get an update on that. Realistically, I don't even know what the update is regarding Aaron Judge. There's been no timetable. We just know that it's a significant injury. So we're going to get some injury updates also regarding my guy, Hunter Dozier, uh, we saw early this morning, late last night, regarding Clint Frazier, uh, the sacrifice has been made. The New York Yankees sacrifice, the ritual that is this season. Uh, in order to activate a player, they activate Gary Sanchez. They have to sacrifice a player. So they sacrifice Clint Frazier, of course. Uh, he goes for the MRI on his ankle. Comes back that he has a small tear. He said he's only expected to miss 10 to 14 weeks. Uh, I am not a doctor. I don't play one on television. But... A small tear in your ankle, me personally, I feel like it's going to be longer than 10 to 14 days. And with that, Greg, and with that, I welcome in Greg Tossman. Greggy, what's going on? Have you ever had a small tear in your ankle? Maybe, but I don't know. I haven't like, I never I had a very badly sprained ankle that definitely, something might have been t- torn in it, but I, I don't know. They just said it was sprained. I had a walking boot once. I had an air cast. How'd you do that? What'd you do? Play basketball. Air cast. Basketball? Yeah. Basketball, Greg. Yeah, yeah. That's my basketball. That's my ankle. I've always said this about you. You're definitely a jail ball player. What does that mean? Like, just hustle. Yeah. You're, you're a hack on the court. You try and rebound. Uh, please do not shoot when you get the ball on offense. Pass it back to someone else. Uh, pride yourself in defense. All those things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't be more accurate yeah, to my I, game. I, I know. My, uh, <laughs> but, like, I, I really prided myself in my defense. Like, I thought I was a pretty good defender. Yeah. Um. You're probably a pesky defender. Like, like, if you were defending me, I'd probably get annoyed at you. Agree. <laughs> Agreed. But my, that's my goal, right? I want to get you frustrated. Like that, that was how so I You're played. the Patrick Beverly. Yeah. You're the Patrick Beverly. Not as good of a trash talker. <laughs> but yeah, for, that was what I, I, I prided myself on. We got to set up an FNTSY basketball game. Above I don't, any other oh, sport, I would, I would like to play. Just because you'd be the best at it. That's all. <laughs> how do you know? Maybe Venture's really good. You're a good basketball player. Maybe Martino's really good. Seems we got Royce the over six foot. That's true. Royce the, Royce the over six foot. You know, my uh, career basketball highlight actually came uh, in camp where we had, it was like the biggest game in the summer for like my age group. It was like in front of the whole camp. I had the best basketball game in my life. Like in my life. I still think about it with glowing memories. So does that speak to your talent no, or no, the lack no, no. of talent? The opposing. lack of talent opposing. <laughs> so there were like, it's a three good players that have the 20 of us that were playing this okay. game. You weren't one of them. I was not considered one of those three good players. That's correct. Okay. Um, yeah, there were three. And on my, like, the other team had 
two and, and we had one. And our, ours was probably the best and they were like the next two, right? Like, so, and because of that, like somebody else needed to step up. And somehow that became me. So I had my career high in that game of 13 points. The uncanny hero, Greg Sussman. It was. I was the uncanny hero in that game. I had an, like, we went to overtime. I did not score the overtime winning basket, but I did have the assist on it where I just threw it as hard as I could inside to the, our big man who was able to, like, lay it in for the win. But I still get goosebumps thinking about that performance, Frank. It's embarrassing, but true. I was, like, 15 years old. <laughs> Well, I'm happy for you, Grady. Uh, Thanks, buddy. I would say I would like to be a fly on the wall, but yeah. I would assume there was no walls. Was it um, indoors? It was probably outdoors. It was indoors. It was, indoors. It was a gym. Oh, all right. So, yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall there. I wish, you, a, I wish you saw me in that year old Greg Sussman. Scoring 13 points. I, ha- I had an N1 at one point. That was yeah, cool. And you definitely were pumped, and you screamed like, N1, after you scored. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I gave a fist pump. And then I made. I'll reveal these stories on our uh, NBA Twitch show, which you can watch later do on that. today. Uh, I made the free throw. Uh, I did bank it in, though. But the free throw went in. It went in! That's what did you call bank, Greg? Yes, of course. You have to call bank. <laughs> uh, Alrighty, Greggy. I haven't really gotten into anything. I basically was previewing... I made it fast enough. I, I was previewing the injuries that we're going to talk with Virginia about coming up nice. uh, uh, next segment. Um, but there's a lot going on yesterday. After the show ended, we obviously get the big news that Vlad's going to get the call tomorrow. So I kind of wish you took that bet. So... uh you know, could have canceled out me losing the Pete Alonzo bet to you. I knew he was going to debut at, on this homestand. Um, and it, it's going to happen Friday, so I'm really excited about that. Vladimir Guerrero Sr., Greg. Probably my favorite player that, growing wait, up. Wait, did you talk about the player that replaced Clint Frazier on the roster? Uh, Joseph Harvey. Oh. <laughs> oh, was it, was it the text that we just got Welcome from Welcome to the squad! Cameron Maiden! No way. Oh, yeah. Is it one of those things where he has to go play in the minors, though? Before I don't know. He's hitting 216 in AAA this season. So they called him up? They, they, I guess traded for him? I don't know. Great. All right, well, your New York Yankees, your, uh, your 2019 New York Yankees, headed by they traded Cameron Maben. Oh, God. Great time to be alive here in New York City. I was rooting for Austin Jackson. I just told that to Sandra. I was rooting for Austin oh, Jackson. Former Yankee great. Yeah. Yeah, like that would have been full cool. circle. That would have been cool, you know. It's a nice little story. Or Mason Williams, like one of those breaks two. back out. Yeah, Slade Heathcock. Mason Williams would have been fun. I, I would have been down with Mason Williams. Yeah, it would have been fun, you know. Whatever. Whatever. Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade's playing well. Hey man, he stole stole a base last night. Put himself in position to score the winning run. Greg, how's the sock man doing? Not great. Scored a run last night, right? He scored the game tying run. That's what I thought. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was actually a pretty cool play. It was. It was a ground ball. To, I don't remember who it was to, but he uh, he beat it out. He you know, he jet turned on the Jets and and made his way home, Greg. And he tied the score, uh, the tied the tying run against who? Ty Buttry. Let's start there, Greg. Let's definitely start there. So Cody oh, yeah. Allen. So I got the text on my walk home from work. I think last night around there, I got the text from Frank. Cody Allen, thumbs down. I'm like, oh no, like April twenty. Fourth, if you had, when would Cody Allen get pulled from the closer role? I believed in him. Like, has he really pitched that horribly? He's very bad. Okay, so he has. But Ty Buttry gets in there. He blows it yesterday, but not a traditional closer. He pitched, like, over two innings yesterday. But very I don't odd. get it, man. I don't, I don't get this team. Like, I, it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, Frank. It's annoying. 
It's annoying. Well, what did they think they were getting into when they uh, signed Brad Ausmus to be their manager? Because, you know, Brad Ausmus, one of the greatest managers of all time. People seem to like Brad Ausmus. I mean, do, you remember, do you remember Brad Ausmus as a player? Because I do. Uh, vaguely. Yeah, I, really, like, I, I like very my, vividly remember him, which is kind, which is kind of weird childhood. for me. Yep. Uh, but overall, look, when, when they signed Brad Ausmus and when they also signed Cody Allen, he was very quick to say he's our primary closer. So I think there's still a chance at some point, Greg, that Cody Allen earns back this role. But he's been very bad, man. 5.40 ERA, 1.56 whip. Uh, he made an appearance against the Yankees the other night, and it was actually a relatively clean appearance. I think he walked one batter. But in the four appearances before that, he allowed five runs total. So he, he wasn't performing well. He actually didn't blow a save, but he came in in a lot of uh, high-leverage situations where it was like tie games and ended up blowing those games. He hasn't actually blown a save. But overall, he hasn't been good. And I think it's going to come down to Hansel Robles and Ty Buttry. But you see Ty Buttry used in a big spot last night. They bring him in with the bases loaded uh, to close out the seventh inning. He ultimately ends up pitching like two and two-thirds innings. It was 33 pitches. Uh, he pitched the eighth. He struck out two batters there. Um, and then he was rolling along in the ninth, and he gives up a hit to Tyler Wade, a stolen base, and then a hit to DJ LeMahieu uh, for the Angels to take the lead. So they really were pushing the envelope with Ty Buttry. Uh, last night, but Hansel Robles the other day struck out the side against the Yankees, and he's gone four straight appearances without allowing a hit. He came in last night as well, um, and if I had to, if I had to take a guess, I would say that they'll give it to Hansel Robles first, or give him like the next save opportunity. I think will go to Hansel Robles. Not that I think he deserves it, because overall I, I think the underlying Are numbers. You saying the, what, the, the Undertaker, Hansel Robles? Yes, The okay. Undertaker. I mean, they already made an entrance video for him. You have to assume that he's the, he's the next closer up. <laughs> he's got to be. They made a, clo- which, they made a video which is amazing. for an inning guy who seven, points really to the sky like, like a ball is an infield fly ball when it's a home run. <laughs> they made a, an entrance video for this guy. And he comes out to The Undertaker theme song. So why wouldn't he be their closer? That's what I ask you, Greg Sussman. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm surprised they wouldn't go to last night's starter, Cam Bedrosian. Like That was the guy. Bring him back in? <laughs> no, not last night. Not last night, but like yeah. in, ge- in general. Like, I thought Cam Bedrosian. He does have closing guy. experience. So yeah. I, I, tough too. I wrote a little bit on my Patreon last night about it. I think Cam Bedrosian is a dark horse. Again, I, I would guess that the next save opportunity goes to Hansel Robles. Overall, I think the underlying skills are better for Ty Butchery. Uh, the strikeout numbers have been better. The walk numbers are better this year overall. They both have uh, solid ERAs to start the season, but if you look at Hansel Robles' career, he, this is a guy who struggled with walks, career 3.91 walks per nine, uh, and has struggled with home runs, 1.23 walks per, uh, home runs per nine in his career as well. So not really a good recipe for a closer, a guy who walks a lot of guys, a guy who gives up home runs. So I know Hansel Robles is performing well this year, but overall I think Buttry is probably the most talented in the bullpen. He's probably the long-term answer, but I can see them mixing and matching for now. And there's still a chance that Cody Allen gets his job back, Greg, if he performs well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, they didn't say Cody Allen's being pulled from the closer role for the long term. Actually, we, we look, up, I looked at the semantics here because I saw the same from Jeff Fletcher, and he said Cody Allen is not the closer, quote, right now. They just want to get him right, whatever that means. I had someone ask me last night, would you drop Cody Allen for Ty Butchery? Fair question, obviously. I said, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Cody Allen's not the closer right now. I think so, too. I mean, if you want to play the long game, if it's a deeper league uh, and closers are harder to come by, you know, maybe you, you try and pick up both. You try and, like, handcuff it for now and, and see what happens. You kind of play it moving forward day by day. But overall, I mean, in a vacuum, 
Sure, that is a move that I would make. So Martino, as you know, texts me like throughout the show. Yes. Hey. And I know he loves Hansel Robles. He has to love Hansel Robles. <laughs> I knew that I knew that was coming. Like every Mets fan hates it. It's a mess. Martino just right sent me Hansel Robles hand up to the sky. Allowing a, allowing a monster Yasmani Tomas home run. R.I.P. Yasmani Tomas. Hey, he's not dead yet. He's still in the minors. What's dead may never die, Greg. What's dead may never die, Frankie. <laughs> What's dead may we are very close to Battle of Winterfell, by the way. Oh my gosh. Too close. Very close. <laughs> very, very excited um, about that. All right. So we have, the, we have the injuries. We'll do more of that in about five minutes from now uh, with Did Virginia. Did you hear back from Virginia? I, I told you before. You must have your headphones on. I said, yeah, I heard Probably. it back. We're good. I was listening, <laughs> I was listening to Rich Samini interview with uh, Mike Tannenbaum. That's pretty cool. He's doing a podcast now. with. you talking about Adam Gaze? I didn't, get, I didn't get far enough into it. He might have. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, obviously, talked about the injuries more so with Virginia in a few moments. But the other big story, which I'm sure you hit on the top, and as you said, I guess you said it briefly, Vladdy's here. And, and, and Vladimir Guerrero officially joins the lineup tomorrow for the Blue Jays. 20 years old. He'll be, he'll be right there. A heart of the lineup. Get him activated. This is relatively as soon as it could have happened, I think. You know, maybe a, a week or so. But it's real. And it's here. And it's awesome. And if you remember, Greg, when this injury struck, I told you it wouldn't surprise me if he still returns in April. Because based on the timetable that we had, uh, you know, he was going to return from this injury around April 1st. And then he was basically going to start minors with the rest of everyone else and be on a similar timeline. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that it's happening now. I thought all along uh, he could be up by April. And because of that, I did say that people are getting a discount on him. You know, early on in drafts, he was going third, fourth round. And then once this news broke around uh, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a couple of weeks later, he's going, you know, sixth, seventh round. Sometimes I've seen him go even later than that. Unfortunately, I have zero shares, and it sucks. And, you know, I can't trade for him now because all the hype is behind him. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy it as a baseball fan overall. If you're not excited about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting called up, you're either a Toronto Blue Jays hater or you're not a baseball fan because this is, you know, he is the most anticipated hitting prospect, Greg, I would say since Mike Trout, like realistically. And I, was, I read an awesome story last night from uh, Caitlin McGrath on over at The Athletic, a bunch of quotes from people that he's worked with in the minors, Bo Bichette, former teammates, Anthony Alford, coaches, and I read a bunch of stuff, and it was a really awesome article. I thought this really summed it up well from Bo Bichette. You don't often get the combination of aggressiveness and strike zone discipline and power and contact ability when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We spoke about him a little bit last year, Greg, and some things that I read about him was that he has the ability to make contact on pitches similar to his father, but he has the plate discipline of Miguel Cabrera. So you put those two, two things together. This is legitimately a prospect who is not overhyped. He is this legit. And, you know, if you're just doing it based on a rating system, like this, this player has a chance to be an everyday starter, an elite player, uh, has Hall of Fame potential. He is up there with a guy who has Hall of Fame potential. And again, a guy who hasn't even made a single plate appearance at the MLB level. Uh, but that's legitimately how good he's been in the minors. I- I'm very, very excited. And-, and that's with having no shares of him. Me too. And I think the MLB Network's being very smart, putting the A's-Blue Jays game on MLB Network tomorrow. Uh, so you can watch everything from Vlad. Now I'm okay with the Yankees-West Coast trip. I know you like Because now I can watch Vlad early on, and then I can turn the Yankees on late. I like it. I like it on tomorrow night. I like it. That, like, I can go out, do whatever, and then come home and watch the Yankee game. Like, that's cool. It's Friday night. Like, now it's just, it's just too late. You know what's annoying? Too is tired. Today... The game is at 9 p.m. Why? 
against the Angels. Getaway day? So they moved up an hour for getaway day? Like, why aren't they playing at four? Why can't they just play a date? Like, four o'clock on the West Coast, you know, that's one o'clock there. Why couldn't they just play a day game against the Angels? Then we get the Yankees during the day, and then we get the NFL draft tonight, which is going to be awesome. And programming note, do we have Jim Day tomorrow on the show? Well, Jim Day will be on the program tomorrow. Awesome. So we'll have Florio Fridays tomorrow for the first hour. We'll go over all your weekend waivers. I also need to, I got to talk to Florio a little bit because the whole, like, Cody Allen, I knew he was going to lose his job, truther thing on Twitter last night. I was just, I feel like, honestly, I feel like I'm converting you. I, I, was, I feel like I'm converting you. I was not you. a fan of that. Of course not. Everyone was on Twitter last night. Cody Allen lost his job April 25th, April 24th. I told you so. Told you this was coming. Ty Buttree. Not a big fan of that. Frank, I am so proud of you. <laughs> I really am. I, I got I to gotta give four. I, I feel like, you know, you rub off me uh, quite a bit with some of the, some of the stats. and, and Yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll start forgetting when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Hopefully I'll start learning. Much. Joe Biden, you know who he is? He is the uh, former vice president. And running for president. All right. Virginia is next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 In this league I'm not sure anyone beats the Panthers though They did a different video game for each week So like week one it was like Pitfall And they kept going through each week was a different video game It was really really good Like if I got presented some cool way that they did their schedule i probably watch every single team's do um, video if they did it like that well people were like waiting with bated breath about the schedule like oh my god here it comes saturdays 2 p.m eastern on the fantasy sports network and on your popular podcast providers fantasy best friends forever fantasy sports radio network frank stample greg sussman you mentioned joe biden running for president frank very impressed saying a former vice president running for president. It's happened, you said it right away, Greg. Uh, quite often. You got to give you some credit. Uh, it, he happens literally almost every single time. So anyone who served as a vice president, very Usually, oftentimes they yes. run for president. Yes, as well. yes, yes, yes. So most recently, like Al Gore, remember that? Yes. Right. So that happened. And he lost. He lost. Kind of. Um, Fun fact about Al Gore I only liked him because I loved Rhino, the wrestler. 
Gore, Gore, Gore. Right. Uh, and George H. W. Bush, yes. George W. Bush's father, was the vice president for Ronald Reagan. And he was president. I teach you about fantasy. You teach me about everything else. And Virginia teaches us about injuries. That's exactly right. And she joins us right now here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. What's going on, Virginia? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How's it going? Going pretty well. Been another busy week. Yeah, it's, it's always a busy week for you guys because players will always continually get hurt. And that especially is true with the New York Yankees where everybody's hurt. Frank put it perfectly. You get a guy back, it's literally the law of the Yankees that a guy has to get hurt. That's what happened with Clint Frazier, and now he's set back for Giancarlo Stanton. Let's start there with the Yankees, with Stanton, uh, and with Frazier. I'll begin with Stanton. His biceps heal, healed, which makes sense. You guys told us he'd be healed uh, right around now. But now his shoulder's bothering him, so he had a quarter zone shot. What happened to his shoulder? Yeah, so this is the same shoulder that he underwent off-season surgery on. Um, he was ready to go, of course, at the start of the season, but we did still have him in that elevated injury risk category just because when you're coming off of any sort of a serious um, surgery, a little minor setback like this is possible, even when it seems like a player's fully healthy and back to 100%. So it's possible that when he was recovering from this bicep strain, he put added stress on his shoulder um, and it just kind of flared up. It likely is related to the surgery, but um, we're calling this a grade one injury, which is relatively mild. Now, it still comes with a roughly two-week optimal recovery time. Um, so he could be looking at another few weeks on the sideline, but this shouldn't be a long-term concern. Um, but I will add, he is a high risk still at 28%. So Sounds like he needs a few more weeks. He got that cortisone injection. Hopefully that alleviates some of the pain. If there's any inflammation, hopefully that calms down over the next week or so. And um, hopefully by the middle of next month, he can come back healthy. But right now, still high risk. His HPF is below average. So if he were to be activated in the next few days, I don't think he can come back and play very well. So positive news there for Giancarlo Stanton. Not really great. No. It doesn't, doesn't sound good at Not all. Not at all. Here. Uh, Virginia, is this something that can affect uh, his power? We saw that last year, I think typically with shoulder injuries, right? So we draft Giancarlo Stanton, we won 40-plus home runs. Uh, but it seems like typically when baseball players, uh, specifically batters, suffer shoulder injuries, it can sap some of the power. Is that something that we could be looking at uh, potentially all season long with Giancarlo Stanton? I'm hoping it's not all season long, but it could definitely be an issue the next month or two, um, especially now that he has obviously this – ongoing shoulder issue and this bicep strain. I know they've said he's fully recovered, but realistically he's not, he probably doesn't have all of his strength back yet. Um, so I think by the all-star break, I think that's when we can expect him to be back to normal as long as he avoids another setback between now and then. But over the next month or two, I definitely don't expect his power to be where it was before the injuries. And Greg, you know, I'm, what? I am the ultimate pessimist when it comes what? to the Yankees and my fantasy teams and you know, I wasn't really a huge Giancarlo Stanton fan coming into the year, Greg, and I ended up with him on two teams just because it seemed like the value was right, and that's why I ended up drafting him. But it kind of seems like for at least the next couple of months, like Virginia said, this is going to be a lost part of the season for Giancarlo Stanton. So this is very frustrating, uh, Virginia. We'll, we'll stick with the Yankees here in the outfield, and Clint Frazier, we kind of referenced it a little bit, uh, dealing with a, quote, small tear in his ankle. No. I'm shaking my head because it's ridiculous. <laughs> they lost their three yeah. and Aaron Hicks. They're yeah, four best outfielders on the team. It's sacrifice. They had, you know, they get Gary Sanchez back, Greg, and they have to sacrifice someone. So, uh, Clint Frazier is the latest sacrifice. Virginia, what do you have on? Yeah, I honestly don't think I've ever seen anything like this with the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> pretty crazy, but 
So they've said they think Clint Frazier can be back. They said hopefully in 10 to 14 days. Um, if there really is a partial tear, that's not realistic. Um, if there's a partial tear, that means it's likely a grade two injury if it's very mild. And the optimal recovery time there is around four to five weeks. Um, if there's not really a tear and Aaron Boone sort of misspoke a little bit, um, it's possible it's just a grade one sprain. Maybe the ligaments are a little stretched out and irritated. Um, if that's the case, two weeks, he should be back and good to go. But Again, if there is that tear, I think he's going to be looking at um, much longer than two weeks. And if he does come back within two weeks, um, he'll be a very high injury risk. Yeah, I agree. The first thing I said when I started the show today was they're saying 10 to 14 days for a, quote, small tear in your ankle. And it just it doesn't seem realistic. And I was I felt the same way we were talking about Blake Snell a couple of weeks ago when he said, well, he's going to be on the, the IL for the minimum. And I'm like, how is that possible? This guy has a fractured toe. And. He didn't perform well either yesterday, so it's just uh, it's kind of mind-boggling with, with teams trying to rush players back from these injuries. Uh, let's go for the trifecta here, Virginia, regarding the Yankees' outfield. Aaron Judge dealing with a strained left oblique, and um, to be honest, I feel like anytime we have an oblique injury, this is something that can just linger forever. It takes a long time to come back from. They haven't even given him a timetable. That's how significant it is, and I guess they just don't want to get our hopes up. It sounds like this can be like a one- to two-month kind of thing regarding Aaron Judge. Uh, what is uh, what are the algorithms? What is what are what is inside injury saying about Aaron Judge? Yeah, so we've picked up a grade two strain, which is a moderate strain. Uh, we're looking at a five week optimal recovery time. Now, the right. tricky thing with is five weeks for the oblique to heal, but then once you're out that long, you need a lot more time to get your body ready again. You know, if you're out for a week or two, you can get back into it pretty quickly. Being off for five weeks, you're going to need two, three, four more weeks to really get back into it. So I do think it could approach sort of that one and a half, two month mark before we see him back and um, really fully healthy. Um, you may also remember in 2016, his season also ended with an oblique strain. That one was to his right side, um, but that one was also pretty serious. So this is something he's dealt with before. Um, it's also important, oblique strains, highly recurrent injuries. This is not something you can rush back from. Um, he's going to have to... There's going to be no swinging the bat right now. Um, that could be weeks and weeks before he starts doing that again. So not going to be surprised at all when this turns into a pretty lengthy absence for him. So it's April 25th, Virginia. In your expert opinion, mid to late June, is, is that what we're looking at here? That's realistic. Right now our healthy to return date is late May, but that, again, because it's a five five weeks off, that late May date is more – to really start ramping up his baseball activities, um, start swinging the bat at 100%, facing live pitching. And again, after that happens, hopefully it's around late May, but after that happens, he might still need a few more weeks and a rehab assignment before we see him again. So mid-June, mid I think, is optimistic, but possible. This is just insane, Greg. It's not just the Yankees either. It's just the amount of early-round draft picks. You know, Trey Turner, too, with the freak injury, and, and now Judd and Stanton. It seems like... So many players going in the first two rounds. It's constantly banged up. Jacob DeGrom, too. It's well, that's exactly crazy. where I was going to go next. Like, uh, Jacob DeGrom, this story is the most typical Mets story I've ever heard. Let's go, Mets. <laughs> the Jacob DeGrom story, Virginia, is, as I said, Metsian to the Metsian degree, where he has the flu, which turns into an elbow injury, which turns into an IL stint, which turns into him throwing the next two days which turns into him being back this week, maybe. What's up with Jacob DeGrom? 
Well, the Mets got one thing right here, and that was sending him for an MRI. Um, we tweeted out a few different times that it made absolutely no sense <laughs> not to just get it checked out. Um, so at least they finally did that. Uh, scans were clean. He's expected to be back and um, hopefully make a start this weekend. So nothing showed up in his elbow. Um, it seems like he's okay, but our algorithm is showing that we're, we're a little wary about him. Um, he's still an elevated injury risk at 22%, and his HPF is still in that below average category. Um, now, I expect that to pretty quickly improve over the next week or so, as long as he you know, gets back out there, makes a start, and shows that his elbow really isn't an issue. Um, but optimistic, hopeful that this is not a long-term issue after he got that MRI. All right, so some cautious optimism here regarding Jacob deGrom. Virginia, I want to stay in the National League East and go over to the Washington Nationals and ask you about Anthony Rendon, who is dealing with an elbow injury. He was hit by pitch by an elbow uh, over the weekend. The x-rays came back negative, but he didn't appear in any of the games in Colorado, which is unfortunate because we want as many games in Colorado for hitters as we could possibly get. What's the latest on Anthony Rendon? Is this something that's going to require an IL stint? I don't think it's going to. Um, it seems like just a pretty standard left elbow contusion. We're calling it a soft tissue injury, which is as minor as it can be. Um, and his, his injury comes with a one-week optimal recovery time. Um, the problem, while it is just a contusion, when it's to the elbow, you're going to deal with a lot of stiffness and swelling. There's going to be some pain in there. And it just takes time to heal. Um, doesn't necessarily need an IL stint. I think we could see him by this weekend. Um, but unfortunately, it's not something... You can ice, you can rest, but it just is going to take a few days for him to get back to normal, get rid of that swelling. Um, but I don't think this is going to be a long-term issue for him. All right, more good news. Things are, things are going well. Let's keep the good news coming. Let's keep it coming with Virginia from Inside Injuries. And Frank, we were very affected uh, over last weekend with two of our outfielders getting hurt. And let's begin in Tampa where Austin Meadows having such a great season, gets hurt. Of course, Joey Wendell gets hurt last night again. But Austin Meadows crushing fantasy owners uh, with an injury. How serious is this injury to Meadows? Yeah, so the good news is he won't need surgery, but this does sound like more than just a mild grade one thumb sprain. Um, we're calling it a grade two. Um, he was injured on a slide. It happens all the time. Um, good news that it's not to his throwing hand. Um, that shortens the optimal recovery time a little bit. We're showing around three weeks right now. So by mid-May, I think he should be back and healthy. Um, the problem here is you really do need to make sure that the thumb is fully healed before you return because every time you swing the bat and make contact, that's putting a lot of stress on the thumb and those ligaments in there. So very important that he fully recovers before he comes back because it is the kind of injury where you can turn that sprain into a tear that would require surgery. So make sure he gets to 100%, but Hopefully in the next two weeks or so, he should be back and good to go. Tampa Bay Rays, please just take your time with this. I just want Austin Meadows Don't to be, be 100%. Stupid. So even if it takes three weeks, if you want to shut him down for however long it needs to, just let him get completely healthy because we want the Austin Meadows back who started the season and was crushing it the way that he was. And Greg referenced our team where we have Austin Meadows and the other player we have who lands on the IL is Starling Marte. Uh, had a pretty serious collision uh, with uh, with Eric Gonzalez, his teammate, over the weekend, and he's dealing with a quote abdominal wall contusion. It just kind of seems like he has like a bruise on his on his belly. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what it is, uh, Virginia. What do you got? What do you got regarding Stalling Marte? Is that true? Is just like a bruise on the belly kind of thing? 
Yeah, it's so it's a little more there's a little damage to the muscle in this case. So it's a little more serious than just your typical bruise. But um, we're still only showing a two week optimal recovery time. Um, the team hasn't really committed to the to a timeline and kind of hinted that it could be more than 10 days that he's out. But I don't think this is going to approach more than roughly two to three weeks unless there is something more serious than this abdominal wall contusion going on. Um, he's also dealing with a quad contusion, but that doesn't seem quite as serious. And 10 to 14 days should be more than enough time for the quad to heal. All right, so pretty positive news. Welcome to Sterling Marte. Thankfully, Frankie. Yeah, you know, Greg, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if this is actually like two injuries combined here, like dealing with the quad, and they're like, all right, well, the, we'll use this as an excuse to put him on the IL because he was only hitting 200, so it might have been affecting his performance. But hey, Greg, we can't have an MLB season without at least one Stalling Marte IL stint. That's correct. There you go. Yes. Moving on, as we talk to Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries, a couple of pitchers I wanted to bring up. Let's start with Nathan Yavaldi, who hit the IL for the Boston Red Sox uh, with another elbow injury. There's like loose bodies in there. Uh, I've seen six to eight weeks for Yavaldi, who's obviously battled uh, shoulder and elbow issues for a long time. Two Tommy John surgeries for him. Uh, what have you heard and read about Nathan Yavaldi? Yeah, things are not looking good for him. Um, we have his injury risk at 77%, which is incredibly high. Um, it was high before his this surgery, but now it's just I, I, it's one of the highest I've seen for someone who's not recovering from a season-ending injury. Um, he underwent surgery Tuesday. They've said he's expected to miss around six weeks. That is very, very optimistic. Um, when he had a similar procedure last year, he missed around two months. Um, they said in that case they were being very cautious because he was also coming back from Tommy John surgery, which does make sense. But now that he's undergone, I think this is his, at least his fourth elbow surgery, um, his elbow is just a mess. There's so much going on there. Six, six weeks is way too short of a time for him to return. Um, I think we're likely looking at at least eight weeks before he's back. Um, and then even when he is back, he's one of those guys. He's going to be a very high injury risk all season, um, no matter what's going on with him. Well, Greg, I probably should have saw this one coming regarding Nathan Evaldi. I wanted to buy in. Hey, you know what? He performed well when he was on the field last year, so that's what I was buying into. Uh, so Virginia says, you know, maybe around two months, maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh, perhaps we'll, we'll get him and Aaron Judge back together. Yankees-Red Sox rivalry right sure. around the same time. Great. Uh, Virginia, I want to ask you about one of my personal favorites this year, and that is Hunter Dozier, who's dealing with a back injury right now. Uh, it's it feels like it's been acting up the past couple of days. They he wasn't in the lineup on Tuesday. They said that we're gonna get him a few days off. He'll try and return Friday. This kind of strikes me as something that ultimately won't get better unless he has a cortisone shot or something like that. Or it's just gonna ultimately take time to rest and feel better. Uh, what do you guys have regarding Hunter Dozier? Yeah, this they really should shut him down, put him on the IL, and just give him enough time to heal and recover. Um, he also dealt with some minor back issues late last season. So this is a recurring problem for him, which makes it um, even more of a concern in this case. Back spasms alone, if you know, it's just for a day or two, not necessarily a huge concern, but this has been going on a few days now. And again, he's had issues with it in the past. So they really should shut him down here. He could uh, cause a little bit more damage and lead to a much lengthier absence if he keeps trying to play through these spasms. Um, they can start out mild, and if you keep aggravating your back, they're going to get worse and worse. Um, the other issue is you can cause other problems. I mean, so many body parts relate back to the back. So if he's having back issues, he's putting added pressure on the rest of his body and could very easily cause another injury. Um, right now, he's high risk at 20 
5%. Um, his HPF is below average at 50%. So even if he tries to play in the next few days, I don't think they're going to get much out of him. And again, he can uh, cause a more serious injury. So they really should shut him down. Um, I hope we don't see him in the next few days because it's not looking great for him in the short term. Virginia, we only have about a minute left. I just want to get some quick thoughts here regarding Mike Moustakas, who's dealing with a fracture on the tip of his right finger, uh, but they're saying he's day-to-day. Is is that actually true regarding a fracture here? Yeah, he really shouldn't be just day-to-day. Um, it's going to be very painful if he tries to play through this fracture. It sounds relatively mild, um, but anytime you grip the bat and, again, make contact with the ball, that's going to be very, very painful for that finger. Um I don't know what type of fracture it is, but I'm guessing because he's day-to-day, it's a pretty minor one that they don't think is really going to get worse um, by playing through it. But I'm pretty concerned here. Um, He's high risk at 60% right now. Virginia Zakis is from Inside Injuries. We appreciate the time, and let's do it again next week. Good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right, Frankie. Let's break down everything from last night. Go through it, what impressed us and what didn't. And let's do that when we come back. Fantasy BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy Sports Today. Yeah, I mean, I was freaking out. I mean, I'm still freaking out because Chris Sale has been garbage so far. And in our draft that Joe and I are in the same league in, and I picked Sale and DeGrom went one behind me. So there was a lot of consternation for me as to whether or not I made the right decision because Sale has been off to a bad start. But the start wouldn't be, he hasn't hit the IL yet. So in that sense, it's a positive. Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network Frank Stanfield, Greg Sussman Go with the Yankees, man Good for the Yankees Doing their thing last night We talked a lot about the Yankees, though We should, we should move on New York Sports Radio We're not New York Sports W, Greg Sussman That's not true you, you also started with the Yankees today 
Well, I mean, there's some pretty big stories, you know? All right, so... You get an update on Stanton, and Clint Frazier goes on the IL. So you can't... A lot really, of people were asking us questions. So you can't really blame me, that is what I'm saying. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, them being on a six-game winning streak. I am, because it's awesome. <laughs> it's only awesome because they're facing terrible teams right now. You still got to win them, Frank. You still have to win them, just like Chris Paddock did last night, where he went seven shutout innings, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts. A beautiful performance from Paddock against the Mariners. His first career victory, Frankie. Yeah, Chris Paddock was awesome yesterday. It was by far and away his best performance of the season. Uh, He hadn't been going very deep into games, and even yesterday they kind of limited him right around 80, 85 pitches to. So this was uh, the second time they actually let him go further than six innings. Uh, His start before that against the Reds, he went exactly six innings. On the other ones, he was kind of cut a little bit short. So it's good to see that he's being a little bit more efficient. He's going deeper into games. Obviously, we want those quality starts out of him. And yesterday, gave you much more than a quality start. Seven shutout innings, career high, uh, nine strikeouts already. It gets his first win of the season. Um, and I saw some pretty lofty steamer projections the rest of the way, Greg, uh, regarding regarding uh, Paddock here. Let's find him. Here. Oh, we'll wait. No big deal. Well... I'll try and find them. But regardless, um, they're, they're pretty lofty. The, the, Chris, uh, the Chris Paddock steamer projects. Here you go. 3.41 ERA the rest of the way, Greg, with a what? 10K per nine. 10Ks per nine. 3.41 ERA with a 1.13 whip the rest of the way. Uh, that's according to Steamer over on Fangraphs with uh, around 120 innings pitched. So he's already at 27, 120 more. That would put him around 150 innings pitched overall. Look, if he gives you an ERA of... Uh, Low to mid threes with a sub 1.15 whip and 10 Ks per nine. He's going to severely outperform where he was drafted. And, and this is part of the reason why he kept rising up draft boards because he does have that elite command. Uh, he has some strikeout stuff here. The changeup is absolutely nasty. He mixes it in with a, a mid 90s fastball. I saw multiple times he was hitting 95, 96 miles per hour yesterday. He has a curveball that he mixes in as well. Um, seems like he's on his way to becoming a complete package, Greg. Yeah, he, he, this is what fantasy owners were hoping for. The projections are lofty, but with outings like last night, it's realistic that he kind of continues being this dominant pitcher that you hoped he would be. Very, very nice start from Chris Paddock. And we'll see if he can go deeper into games as he continues on. Just the E3 pitches through, through those seven innings uh, is incredibly impressive. Kirby Yates, 12th save of the season. It's April 24th. He was wonderful. 10 pitches. And uh, doing a really nice job. King Felix actually pitched really well yesterday. So good job for Felix Hernandez. Seven innings, three hits, one run, one walk. Uh, he struck out eight, only run allowed. Ian Kinsler homer in the second inning. It seems like both offenses didn't really show up yesterday. No, I don't think they tired. wanted to play baseball tired, yesterday yeah. because uh, Paddock goes seven innings on 83 pitches. Felix goes seven innings. How about this, Greg? King Felix goes seven innings on 75 pitches. 75 pitches, and he had 13 swinging strikes. Uh, Manny Machado, kind of off to a slow start here uh, in San Diego. 244 batting average, just a 744 OPS. Uh, hasn't been doing much. You know, Talk about his, his young counterpart, maybe a Manny Machado-esque player of the future. Fernando Tatis, really outperforming Manny Machado to start the season. But overall for King Felix, you're right, Craig. It was a great start for him. I'm not really buying in too much. He did have eight strikeouts and a 13 swinging strikes. He should be owned in AL only. I don't think that I can go anywhere further than that, Greg. I, it, even in the right matchup, are you going to be able to stream King no. Felix in a 15-teamer? No, 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 no,
Absolutely not. It's just, I think it was just one of those kind of throwback performances for him and that I'm not really buying much into. Fernando Tatis, his fifth steal of the year, batting leadoff again, 299, OBP 361. So it's not just, you know, it's not just against a, a lefty kind of thing. He's got six homers and five stolen bases, batting 299. He's got a 947 OPS, Greg. Tatis has been awesome. I, I did kind of want to get into Fernando Tatis because I, I've seen that he's one of these guys that's kind of defying the expected stats right now. Uh, it's because he does strike out a, a decent amount, Greg. He's around 30% strikeout rate, 28.9%. How about this? His expected batting average is 239, Greg. And his batting average right now is 299. That's a 60-point oh difference. You don't really see it that way normally. Like that drastic. The average exit velocity is around 90 miles per hour, which is... Fine. He's in the 60th percentile. His sprint speed in the 93rd percentile. He's fast. That's good. Greg, this is one of those things where I kind of fall for this sometimes. And I've talked about this. And I want to get better at it. So I want you to talk me through it as well. Javier Baez was a guy that I didn't buy into at all last year. Made me look completely foolish. Yes. Because the advanced numbers, the, the fact that, you know, he swings out of the strike zone as much as he does and swings and misses and... He was basically on par with uh, Joey Gallo in terms of how much he swings and misses, and I thought, uh, you know, there was no way he was going to keep his batting average up last season. Made me look completely foolish. Now, there are times where the sabermetrics, the underlying statistics say to sell a player or to not buy into what they're doing, but the prospect pedigree and the talent that you see just watching the games says something different. So how do we balance that when it comes to a guy like Fernando Tatis? Because we use the advanced metrics and, and all these advanced statistics for all the other players. We use it as, you know, buy low models. Mm. We said Fran Reyes is going to come around because his barrel percentage, his expected batting average, his average exit velocity is awesome. It's pretty much the opposite here for Fernando Tatis. So how do you weigh those things? Because at times, I, I've struggled. I think it has to be by a case-by-case basis, realistically. I think you have to remember, in the case of Fernando Tatis, he's 20 years old. And maybe this season, he goes into a brutal slump based on what you're saying, those advanced statistics. But he can get better. Just like Javier Baez, who is still a young player, was able to get better. Does he strike out too much? Yes. Is the home run to fly ball ratio, which right now is at 25%, Pretty massive. very high? Yes, obviously. The Babbitt, he always had a career Babbitt because he's so fast. Will that come down a little bit? Sure. But I don't think that means he all of a sudden is going to be a, a terrible player, you know, by any means. I'm not expecting Fernando Tatis to be a first-round fantasy pick next year. But I'm expecting him for the rest of the season to be pretty good. That's where I, yeah, I'm at. I actually agree with you. So when I first saw the expected batting average, I said, really? Man, maybe in redraft leagues, we should start to look at Fernando Tatis as a, as a sell-high option. Is this something that he could keep up? He strikes out almost 30% of the time. You mentioned the 370 Babbitt. That seems high. Last year in AA, he had a 370 Babbitt. This is, this is the, the intersection that I get caught in at times where I need to put more weight on the prospect pedigree and what I see with my eyes and the talent on the field 
outweigh you know what the underlying statistics say. I'm not selling Fernando Tatis. I'm just I'm not doing it. I own him in a keeper league. I'm keeping him in redraft. I'm not even you know maybe I throw him out there and just kind of see if people are getting really crazy and see what they send back. But why can't he be Javier Baez? That, you know that, why can't he be just 20 years old? He's hitting just 299. So maybe the, the batting average is going to come back a little bit. I think so. like he's not a 947 OPS player. He's just not. He, maybe he develops into one consistently for years to come. Is he a 947 OPS season, uh, player in his rookie season? Probably not. Correct. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Is he going to hit 299? Probably not. He's probably closer to like 270, 275. But according to Fangraphs, I mean, the hard hit rate, 48.3%. That's really good. And they're letting him run. He's got five stolen bases. He's got two caught stealing. He's already attempted seven stolen bases. I'm Forget it. I'm not looking. This is case-by-case case basis, Greg. This is a case where... I'm not falling for any underlying statistics. I'm just, I'm riding that with Fernando Tatis unless someone's blowing me away and giving me some kind of like top three round value player for him right now. If he keeps up this pace, he's going to be a top three round pick next year, Greg. So I just kind of wanted to get that out. If, if anyone had ideas of selling high on Fernando Tatis. Well, I sold low on Eduardo Rodriguez to you. Thank you. You're welcome. That's why we're best friends. Man. Absolutely. Look out for each other. He gave you him. Uh, he went six innings. Who, who did one you drop run. Nick Pavetta for? I haven't dropped him yet. Six. Really? Really, Greg? It hasn't been anyone out really? there. Really? Yeah, yeah. You killed me last week for saying that I wouldn't drop for uh, whatever Pavetta? his name is, Nick Pavetta. Yeah. And he's still on your roster in a daily transaction. You're not like realizing like, how many terrible players I have on this team. I, I believe okay. you. I'm not like a, I can't believe you right now. I cannot believe dude, you. Dude, I'm not afraid to drop him. I, I can't. So do it right now. Tell me, who, tell me for who. <laughs> sure. I can't believe you. You crushed me last week, and he's still on your roster. I, I, again, I had a lot of terrible players. I had injured players, so I had an empty roster spot. I dropped Jose Peraza like before him because he sucks. Why don't you pick up Hansel Robles? I, I, I don't want Hansel Robles. Pablo Lopez is a free agent in this league. Uh, all right, I'll pick him up right now. I should probably pick him up. I'm going to do that right I'm now. picking him up. No, you can't do that. Uh, I'm picking him up. Oh, my God. Pablo Lopez, who am I going to drop? Should I drop Max Muncy? Yeah, Probably. Did they drop Spencer Turnbull? Sure. Oh, I love Spencer Turnbull. Did they drop Rowdy Tellez, who I just picked up? Drop whoever you want, man. Did you pick up Pablo Lopez right I did. Oh, darn it. I, I, do, <laughs> I do have it on the uh, ad-free agent page. <laughs> I did. All right, so you see, look, I'm out here helping everybody. I'm out here helping you. I'm Thank out you. here helping Greg. So we basically traded Eduardo Rodriguez for Pablo Lopez, which might not be a Pretty good. I feel, I feel a lot better about that now. Uh, but let, let's uh, let's go right there with Eduardo Rodriguez, huh, Greg? Yeah, seven in, uh, six innings, one run, two hits, walk three, struck out seven. Uh, he had a big lead that he was playing with uh, throughout. Uh, not that huge. It was a 4 nothing lead for most of the game. Um, but he pitched really, really well uh, against Detroit here. So you, you feel good. Uh, Rodriguez has been better his last couple starts. Weather's gotten a little bit warmer for him. He's gotten in the mix. Been a lot better the last three starts than he was his first two. Yeah, absolutely. And this was a good spot, obviously, going up against uh, the Detroit Tigers. And this is part of the reason why, you know, I had a lot of interest in Eduardo Rodriguez heading into the season. A lot of people did, obviously. And part of the reason why I wanted to make a nice little swift trade with you, Greggy, to get Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, but overall, you know, I still want to see the walks come down a little bit. Three walks here against the, uh, the Detroit Tigers, but seven strikeouts. He was awesome in that regard. He had 18 swinging strikes yesterday, Greg. He was actually uh, yesterday's leader among all starting pitchers with 18 swinging strikes. This is part of the player that you were hoping that you would get. So uh, you're right. He has looked a lot better his last three starts. 
Uh, specifically, there was two in there where he looked really good, and then one against the Rays where I actually benched him because I feel like he's always struggled against the Rays in his career, and overall the Rays offense has just been awesome. So I kind of want to pick and choose who, which starting pitchers I'm using against the Rays offense right now. Uh, but yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez turning it around. Your window to buy is likely gone. So, sorry. It's okay. Good for you, man. I have it help you out. Thanks. If I, if, I, if I win the league, um, I'll buy you a beer. How about that? Sure. It's great. <laughs> Excited to be able to drink beer again. That's exciting. All right. You've been on a little hiatus. A little hiatus. I drank a few beers last night. Oh, man. Like tonight, I would like to drink a lot of beers. Yeah, yeah especially after the Giants draft Daniel Jones. I'm going to take sixth a, overall. I'm going to take a couple shots after that happens. Go, DJ. That's Greg Z. When do you want me to review what I think is going to happen in the draft? What's up? You want me to chill? I'll do that next hour. Yeah, once we get Ventra up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a little draft talk coming up at some point next hour. Mm-hmm. Just what I think is going to happen or has to happen. Ah, so excited. Greg, remember yesterday when everyone was freaking out about Mookie Betts? I do. That was me. I, I brought that up. <laughs> uh, that was so me. we've now had. Um, look at this. He has at least two hits uh-huh. in one, two, three. Four of his last six games. Uh-huh. Pretty good. Multi-hit game again last night. I'd say he's turning it around, Greg. He's got the batting average up. Uh, he was all the way down at 200 on April 17th. He's raised it to 250 over, you know, the past week pretty much. I believe just one steal in the year, though, right? Uh, yeah. Unless he, he didn't steal one yesterday, right? No. So I think when we looked it up yesterday, he only had one steal. Yeah, you want, you want the stolen bases to come, but you would assume they would. The Red Sox were... A really aggressive organization last year on the base paths, and uh, unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't run. So we know he has the speed, he has the athleticism, uh, the batting average is already starting to climb back up. He, he still has 18 runs scored for everyone who's freaking out about Mookie Betts. I think the stolen bases are, are going to come. And speaking of stolen bases in this game, Greg. Michael Chavis! I did, I did want to bring up Michael Chavis because he got caught stealing the day before. Got caught stealing yesterday. Uh, no, yeah, he got caught stealing yesterday, but then also stole a base. But mm-hmm. this wasn't really a part of his game in the minor leagues. And this kind of goes back to what I, what I was just saying about the Red Sox is their organizational philosophy, they're usually aggressive on the base paths. So they let Michael Chavis steal a base the night before he hits a home run. Any interest in Michael Chavis? No. Why is that? Because everybody's coming back, unfortunately. Who is everybody? Dustin Pedroia. Eduardo Nunez, Brock matter? Holt, they're all coming back. But does that matter? Yes, very much so. There's no spot for Michael Chavis. Michael Chavis was their top hitting prospect. I understand and that. He, and he's starting to hit. He's starting to run. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, I don't think they're going to take him out of the lineup. I think there's too many chefs in the kitchen. I think he absolutely will be taken out of the lineup. Absolutely. All the, he's only You're up not advising people to add Michael Chavis. I want to like Michael Chavis. I like Michael Chavis's. Would that. you want to stash him right now? I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed. Does talent always win? The cream rises? I get the that. The cream! The macho man! But Michael Chavis has a lot of guys he has to pass, and they all seem to be on rehab assignments. I bet if this starting. was a Yankees prospect, you'd probably love him. I, I, I do like Michael Chavis, because he's hitting, and I, I want him, and he does a little bit of everything. Yes, I like that. I just don't know how to play every day. I don't know either, but all. I just... Look, is Eduardo Nunez going to get in the way? If they, if they want to get Eduardo Nunez in the lineup, you know, they'll give Rafael Devers a day off against the lefty, whatever. They'll get Eduardo Nunez in the lineup. I mean, same thing. They'll find ways to get guys in the lineup. Me, personally, I feel Michael Chavis, their top-hitting prospect, 
They called him up for a reason. If he continues to hit, which he's been a little bit up and down. Yesterday, he goes, ultimately, he was 0 for 1. He had three walks. I believe he had a hit by pitch as well. He had a stolen base. He had a caught stealing. So he's doing a little bit of everything. The night before, he had two hits. He had a home run. He hit his first home run of his career. The two games before that, uh, he went 0 for 8 combined. So it's been a little bit of a mixed bag here for Michael Chavis. But I do think that he has big upside based on, you know, at least what I've seen in the minors. Last year, he was injured. He only played 46 games, but he still hit nine home runs. The year before that, 126 games, hit 31 home runs. They, like, he's never stole more than eight bases in the minors. So that's why I just find it interesting. They're letting him run a little bit here up at the major league level. But if he performs overall is what I'm trying to get at. I think they're going to leave him in the lineup. You know, why else would they call him up? So Call him up because they didn't have anybody else. All right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I would like, to, I, me personally, and I know it's hard to stash players right now because we just went through a list of yeah, 20,000 injuries yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. But I actually do have uh, a league where some of my guys are starting to get healthier. I get Daniel Murphy back. We'll talk about that. He made his season debut we'll yesterday. Talk about that in a moment, yep. Uh, so I'm starting to get a little bit healthier. I got Gregory Polanco. I picked up Michael Chavis in a home league, and I'm just kind of stashing him. I'm riding it out. I'm, I want to see what happens. It's a little bit harder. Uh, the daily league once everyone gets healthy, but overall, I, w- I would like to stash. I have interest. Take a break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Chris Venture. Go over more baseball and get into the draft too.